Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Preview Show. And today I've been joined by Jonathan Lowe. How are you doing, Jonathan? Hi, good afternoon. Well, I will talk about the game against Middlesbrough first of all, because unfortunately it's really hard as a Redden fan to say that we deserved anything out of that match. Do you think that's a fair point? Yeah, I think so. I think overall on the balance of play, um, I, th- I actually thought they they started quite brightly. Um, had, a, had a few shots in the opening, kind of 15, 20 minutes. But um, as soon as Middlesbrough got the first goal, it was kind of um, not necessarily one-way traffic, but sort of feels very comfortable for Neil Warnock's side. And obviously they got a second goal shortly afterwards. And Reading never really looked like get, getting back into the game, to be honest. I, I thought Middlesbrough out outthought, outfought, outmuscled Reading in, in every department, really. And in the end, it was a, a relatively comfortable victory, really, for, for the visitors. So, um, yeah, big shame for Reading, because obviously coming onto the game on the back of the win against um, Bristol City during the week, uh, albeit, you know, that was a pretty one-sided game, a pretty easy easy three points for Reading. Uh, so, unfortunately, they couldn't get back to, to, to winning ways at home and uh, that's now seven defeats at home at the Medeski this season. And um, I put out in a tweet kind of after the game that, that, you know, I think we all thought at the beginning of the season they had some good results and you thought that they might have cracked the, the home curse, but unfortunately it's, it's coming back to haunt them. And, and um, they've drawn a game there. They've just won nine and lost seven, which is a pretty remarkable record. And um, yeah, it doesn't really look like they've um, they've managed to sort of turn around that, that home form for good. Yeah, there's a worrying trend there, isn't it? It's three consecutive home defeats and it's starting to build. I mean, the game against Bournemouth, uh, sorry, Brentford, you could say, yeah, okay, we've still played really well in that game. Millwall, that wasn't great, but Middlesbrough just completely worked us out and I don't think we really had a genuine shot on target until Michael Morrison right at the end. And if we're going to start conceding goals from quite basic set pieces, that's a big worry going forward. Yeah, they seem to switch off. Um, certainly for the for the first goal at the set piece, um, you know, two relatively easy headers really from from the middle perspective. And then uh, obviously the second goal. I mean, it was a great strike. Um, I don't know whether Raphael could perhaps have done a bit better with the, with the shot. Actually, I, I sort of just saw one replay of it, and it looks like he might have got a bit of a hand to it. Um, but uh, you know, for him to be afforded that sort of time and space on the outside of the area so soon after the. The first goal, I think, was was particularly disappointing. So, um, yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully they they, they can, um, you know, it's the same old cliche after defeats. It's sort of going back to basics, making sure they're hard to beat. Um, you know, which they have been for 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 the you know, majority of the season. Really, they've, they've looked very good in defence. Um, you know, Morrison's obviously done done superbly well. Um, you know, all season really. And Tom McIntyre, I thought he had a, a decent game against Middlesbrough. Um, you know, maybe apart from that first goal. Um, so hopefully they can, you know, get back to being kind of solid and resolute at the back and, and um, you know, preventing uh, these types of goals going in, which is, you know, really hampering their their momentum, which which they have had over the, the first half of the season, hampering the, um, uh, you know, and hampering the, the momentum they need to build over the final stretch of games. Yeah, the manager afterwards wasn't, he's repeatedly now saying this, he's worried about the situation when we concede the first goal or a goal. We very rarely come back in matches. This is like a hangover from the last few years, isn't it? It's not a new trend that we're seeing now, is it, John? 
No, it's not. No, um, I, you know that that sort of mental fragility is is what uh, really affected them over the past war. I mean, ever since the playoff final, to be to be perfectly really honest, isn't it? it's kind of even a hangover from that. Whenever they have gone behind in games, they've they, they've struggled to um, claw themselves back in, and 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 you know. Perhaps they, they they have needed a few more leaders on the pitch. Um, I feel that they've got a few more now, and, and obviously with Liam Moore coming back, um, he, he's another one who, who's a big uh, a big character and a big voice on and off the field. And hopefully, um, his uh, input and, and impact on the field can uh, can help them um, you know, avoid uh, getting into this state where yeah that they they just seem to I wouldn't say concern. I wouldn't say fall apart, but um, they do look very nervous, and, and uh, they, they look as though they could potentially concede uh, every attack that the the opposition makes. And and um, yeah, Middlesbrough didn't have a whole host of chances after going two 0 up, uh, but they didn't need to create too many chances because they never really like conceding. And um, uh, yeah, the, the two goals proved to be more than enough, but um, certainly kind of ridding uh, to at times look have looked certainly in recent weeks very shaky and uh, that's something that they need to stamp out very quickly um, to avoid you know, some, some pretty disastrous results which might see them drop down the table. Yes, and we've got an absolutely huge one coming up on Tuesday against Wickham. Now, this is a team that is bottom of the league. They've only had four wins all season, one win in their last six matches. Just makes you worry, doesn't it? As a Redden fan going into this one, there's obviously got quite a few players at Wickham as well, which will want to prove a point against uh, Reading. I wouldn't say necessarily have a dislike, but you know, you're an ex-player, you want to make a mark, don't you? Of course, yeah. And um, you know, Gareth McCleary is no doubt one is going to want to get want to get one um, over Reading for, for sure. And um, you know, no doubt Jordan Nabita will, will, will want to have an impact as well. So um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tricky game I think uh, tricky you know, different circumstances compared to the Middlesbrough and Millwall and, and obviously Brentford um, but you know they're, they're down there scrapping for their lives that they're certainly you know, not giving up the fight and um, like you say it's, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty much a, a local derby isn't it and um, you know, lots of Reading connections between the two clubs so um, yeah it, it'll all be down to, to who can kind of um, keep their cool when they create the chances and um, you know I, I still I I still think that Reading will, will have it, have enough to win the game. Uh, you know that they've still got a lot of quality in the side despite the the injuries. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think it will be a tight game. But I do think that, that Reading will have enough to get over the line. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's been a little bit of a call for possibly changes in the defence. Maybe Team Matt dropping out and Liam Moore coming back into the team. But I've got to say at the moment that I would stick with it because I think Tom McIntyre deserves a little bit of loyalty because he's played very well. What's your thoughts? Um, yes, I, I I think that's that's arguably, um, despite the results recently, that the, that centre-back partnership has kind of been the best point in the team, really. Um, I really like the way um, the, the two kind of Sort of bounce off each other, and they've been a really good balance to the side. Just McIntyre being left-footed and having a you know a good left foot as well. Um, he, he he just ensures that the the play isn't kind of lopsided, if, if you know what I mean. But by, by always going going out to, to the right side, um, and obviously he, you know McIntyre's got a, a good eye for a, a ball going forward, um, strong in the air, as is Michael Morrison. 
and uh, Morris is obviously you know high in confidence as well after that great goal at, at Bristol City. Um, so I think uh, I think the sort of one option for, for is perhaps uh, whether we do it or not, Panovic. But one option could be to to go for a, a back three if you include more as well. Um, and you know have, have uh, Yeardom as rich as as the wing backs um, and kind of go five three three two or three five two however you want to call it. Which would then include George Puskas up front. Um, I don't think um, fans should expect too much with George Puskas. Um, uh, yes, he's obviously he is a he is a good player and, and he can get a few goals. But he's obviously only played ten league games this season, scored only two goals. Uh, certainly for Reading, he's got a couple for Romania. Um, so if he does play, then uh, say I don't think um, say fans should expect too much. Having said that, I think he, you know it is worth a, a shot. Uh, you know, having him up front alongside Lucas Shaw because I think that that's when you are going to get the best out of him. Because um, I don't think he's a he's a striker who just plays up front by himself. Uh, same with Sam Bordock. You know, wrote a piece today. I think you know, if you are going to play Puskas and Bordock, then play them alongside Lucas Shaw and, and you know give them a, a fair crack of the whip. You know, give them half an hour or forty five minutes and see what they can do. Um, so yeah, that there is there is a little bit of scope for, for change. Um, I think it, you know whether it is tomorrow night or against um, Rotherham on Saturday or, or over the next few weeks or so. Um, you know, it's it's not a, a, a team which is you know ha, has no has no alternatives in it. Um, so hopefully, yeah, I, I think it, you know, might as well get chop and change um, over the next week or so and, and see how see how they get on. Yeah, it's going to be a massive game. What is your score prediction against Wickham? Oh, I'm going to go for a 2 1 win, John. So let's see how you go with this one. Um, to avoid saying the same as you, I think I'm going to go for a 3 1 victory. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. <laughs> totally. That is what I'm hoping for. So if you want to uh, watch the game with us on the watch along, follow us on our different sites, social media, and you'll be able to join me and Alex tomorrow night talking about the match and doing random things throughout and having some RFC fun. Hopefully it will be based around Reading girls. But now it's time for Matt Williamson with the opposite. Thank you. I'm here with Phil Catchpole, who covers Wickham for the BBC and also hosts the Ringing the Blues podcast. Uh, hi, Phil. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, it's going all right, thanks. Uh, how is the Wickham season going? Uh, yeah, well, you know, bottom of the table, four wins uh, from 30 games. So, yeah, it could be going better, I think it's fair to say, but um, it was always going to be hard. Um, and also, we haven't been beaten off the park um, that many times, probably two or three times, really. Um, so, yeah, it's been a big learning curve. But, you know, we've enjoyed it all the same. Yeah, so after that promotion last year, which came as a bit of a surprise to maybe people outside the Wickham bubble, maybe people inside the Wickham bubble knew a bit more. Um, is this season just a bit of a free hit? I think so, yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've used this analogy quite a bit. It's a, like being, it's a bit like being on bullseye and you get through to the final bit where you've got to throw 101 or more with six starts. And if you don't do it, you lose all your prizes. Well, Wickham, you know, they're not going to lose anything. They're making all the money from the extra TV revenue. Um, and if they go straight back down, they'll be in a much stronger position off the field um, than they would have been had they spent like, all of this season back in League One as well. In fact, I think it would have been financially really tough on the club um, to get through League One without fans coming in because the finances have always been pretty uh, 
pretty grim for Wickham in recent history. So this season, total free hit and also, um, you know, a bit of a, a game changer for the club off the pitch to have that money because we haven't spent hardly any of it, um, you know, on players and we've improved the ground in, in parts that needed doing long overdue. We've started a, a B team or a development squad um, since the academy got closed down. So free hit and also kind of, you know, doing some much needed sort of um, housekeeping really uh, for Wickham Wanderers. So, so yeah. Uh, and also, as I said earlier, big learning curves. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth has obviously masterminded hit your kind of rise up the divisions. Is there any pressure on him whatsoever? Uh, is it, are their fans kind of, getting a bit frustrated that you're not performing better than you are? Um, you know, I'd like to say there isn't. Um, there are certain fans who are upset by the, the performances and the results um, because it's football and that's what people do. Um, and that's fair enough. People pay their money and, and spend their time watching online. Um, at the moment, obviously, they can't go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I would say the vast majority... Um, of the Wickham fans believe there should be a statue of Gareth Ainsworth outside Adams Park for what he's done uh, on an incredibly tight budget at times, um, you know, a terrible budget. Um, so, yeah, no no pressure on him. But also, um, it's good to see him sort of develop. When he nearly took us out of the Football League back in 2014, he said he would learn from that. And uh, he, he has done two promotions later. We're in the Championship. And I'm watching him sort of learning all over again, really, because it's a completely different world in the Championship than it is in Leagues 1 and League 2. Um, and he's a really good coach and he's not afraid of of losing. And I don't think he's afraid of sort of using experience to kind of better himself and the club. So, um, yeah, absolutely. No pressure on Gareth, really. Um, ask me again at Christmas if we're in League 1 and we're sort of 16th. Then I think some of the fans will be very, very annoyed. But um, at the moment, no pressure at all. Because he obviously, um, in the year before the promotion season, things were going quite well um, up until kind of Christmas time. And then you had a horrible run um, that kind of saw you drop down the table. It, is Wickham one of the few clubs where they are, are willing to stick it out with Lowe's? Sorry, you, you cut out and sorry about that. <laughs> what was that? Willing to... Oh, sorry. Um, is Wickham one of the clubs where you can ride those highs and lows, where they're willing to give time for managers and players to develop? Absolutely. Um, you know, Gareth really should have been fired back when he nearly took Wickham out of the league. I think he held his hands up at that. The run was absolutely dreadful. He inherited quite a, a bad squad and couldn't really change it. Um, and he was learning on the job. It was his first job as a manager. But Wickham didn't have any money, so literally they couldn't afford to fire him because they'd have had to pay his contract up. Um, so, yeah, so from that point of view, um, I think it's been a great experiment to kind of give someone the time to learn and develop. It has to be the right person still as well. Don't get me wrong, I'm not an advocate for saying that everyone should be given forever in a job to learn it. Um, but he's clearly someone who is moving in the right direction and has done with Wickham a long time. So, um, so yeah, I think, yeah, the club does like to back people and give them a go. Um you know, purely from a financial point of view, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but it does then put pressure on the recruitment because you've got to get the right sort of person. You can get someone inexperienced, and this goes for players as well. Get young, inexperienced players in. Um, yes, they may start badly in terms of their form and performances, but if they're not picking up soon, then something's wrong. But if you give them the chance to, to learn, 
and they respond, then fantastic. So the pressure really comes down to the recruitment of both the manager and the players. Uh, so coming back to this season, in November and December, you had some promising games where either you were drawing or losing uh, out by a single goal. Uh, what was missing to be able to turn those kind of results into three points? Oh, wow. The million dollar question of the championship. Um, it was a real kind of groundhog day for, for quite a lot of games where um, Wickham would scrap and compete and they'd make a real battle of it. And then um, they'd sort of create a chance not take it. A couple of minutes later, there'd be a defensive error, which in League One, you'd probably get away with most of the time. But in a championship, bang, clinical, you're 1-0 down. Uh, and that was kind of the story of, of our season, really, up to Christmas, um, which is frustrating because, you know, we've got the lowest budget in this division, I think, in history. Um, and by rights, we should be getting beat 5-6-0 every week, and we're not. And, you know, we're making games of it, and it's just the fine margins. And I'll say that and make it sound really easy, but, you know, it's the quality at both ends of the pitch, really. Um, we're not creating as many chances as we were last season. So when they do come, you really have to take them. And defensively, you know, you've got to cut the mistakes out. And that goes across, you know, the whole 11, really. Um, we've had Ryan Tapazoli and Uchik Piazu out injured for the first half of this season. We haven't really got them on the pitch at the same time since January. We look at a much different side now. We're able to play a different system, I think, in the last week or so, we've actually found our strongest 11 and our strongest formation, which is frustrating because that's come about because of injuries and COVID. Um, had we been having this conversation two, three months ago, I'd be telling you we'd be absolutely staying up and and I wouldn't be quite as mad as that sounds. Um, but yeah, it's a shame we've got this far and only just discovered it. So, yeah, you talk about the last few games. You picked up four points in the last three and only narrowly missed out to Derby, um, who scored a 94th-minute equaliser. Um, it sounds like the hope of staying up is gone, but do you think that you can make a fight out of the remaining kind of 15 games? Well, there's two schools of thought on this from Wickham. There's the fans' point of view, and I think the vast majority of the fans are quite realistic and have gone, do you know what? We're not going to stay up. We're too far off the pace. Um, let's kind of get as many points on the board as we can and learn about the squad and develop the players uh, for next season in League One. And then there's our chairman's point of view, who fully expects us to be in the championship next season, um, which is brilliant because, I mean, Rob Kuhig is um, our chairman. He, he basically bought the club, um, signed the deal 10 days before um, Corona happened. Um, so... He lives in New Orleans. He was coming over once a month before then during the whole process of buying the club and getting the vote through and everything. And then since um, he's bought it, he's not really been here, but he's been obviously following from overseas. He's not a football man, you know, originally. He doesn't claim to be. His nephew, Pete, who lives in High Wycombe now, is a big football advocate, a big fan, and really knows his stuff. Um, but he's a really, Rob's a really positive thinker. And he, he says, look, if the points are there to be won, then Wickham can do it. And he fully expects them to stay in the championship. So, um, yeah, I don't know, really. Um, we're kind of not split. We're all unified. Everyone loves Rob, the chairman. Um, but I think there's a lot of people who've been around football a long time going, mate, we're not staying up. You know, let's get 23 points, which is the record lowest score. Get that as soon as possible. See where we go. Because uh, I think I remember seeing a video of uh, the chairman going around someone's house with the playoff final trophy. Um, oh, is there... the nephew. Oh, okay, but is there that connection between the club and the fans that maybe isn't there at kind of the, the bigger clubs? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you've got to remember Wickham was, was a fan-owned club before it sold 75% to the Kuig family who, you know, like I said, they live in New Orleans, you know, four and a half thousand miles away. And weirdly, weirdly, I think they communicate with the fan base better than our own fans did, if that makes sense. Um, they've really bought into this ethos of a fan-owned community asset. Um, and, yeah, they've, they've really embraced it. I mean, Pete has moved, left his, you know, left his family behind in New Orleans and has been here throughout the entire pandemic and has lived in an apartment. He couldn't get more central in High Wycombe than where, where he lives. He lives bang in the middle of the town. Um, and he's really immersed himself in the club and its and, and his history and absolutely everything. Um, and I don't see a lot of overseas owners doing that. I know the guy at Burnley's come over and done it recently and said that he's the first one to do it. Well, he's not. The guys at Wycombe are. Um, coming back to the game uh, midweek, is there any kind of particular players that Reading fans should be looking out for or any kind of tactical things that Ainsworth does that might be interesting? Um, well, you know, Wickham, it's been no secret really how Wickham have played over the years and even in the championship this season. We like to get the ball forwards quickly. Um, it has been Adebayowak in Fenwa uh, traditionally over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, he's having a well-earned rest at the moment to get his knee injury sorted out um, as best as possible. Um, Uchik Piazu, though, really stepped up since getting match fitness and um, he kind of adds something a lot different to Adebayowak in Fenwa. He gives us the focal point and the height and the strength, but... You know, he can run a channel as well and, you know, he's not afraid to take players on. He wins a lot of set pieces and, you know, he scored from outside the penalty area as well already this season, which I don't remember Akin Fenwa doing too many times. Um, you know, we love Bayo. He's like, as long as he wants to be around Wickham, then then fantastic because he's been a brilliant, brilliant person on and off the pitch for Wickham Wanderers. But Igpiez, who's now stepping up, which is great. So keep an eye on him. I know you guys have... I've got history with him as well in terms of where he's... Uh, I think he had youth football at Reading. Um, I think uh, the back, Tafazoli has really helped out. Uh, now he's back fit and it's allowed Josh Knight, who's a lad we've got on loan from Leicester, to move into, uh, I don't know, what I call like the Eric Dyer role when he used to play for Tottenham under Pochettino. He sits sort of in front of the back four and it kind of has made everything make a lot more sense for Wickham in terms of getting the full-backs forwards and, and not getting completely torn to shreds on the counter-attack. Um, and he can play a bit as well. He's a good player. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, there's obviously the Reading links with uh, Jordan Nabita and Gareth McCleary. Uh, but, yeah, my main ones would be Uchik Piazu because I think he's going to... He's getting fitter and fitter, and I think he's going to cause real problems for a lot of defences. So it sounds like the uh, Reading alumni are working well for you. Yeah, um, you know, Gareth McCleary, um, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, he's signed, you know, unattached and he's, I think it was November when he kind of turned up at Wickham and a few people were a little bit like, well, is he just here to make up the numbers uh, or he's going to take him a while to get fit? And uh, he was phenomenal, really, since I think his first appearance off the bench looked incredibly bright and sharp against Forrest and, you know, he's a good player, he's got real, you know, he's got a great character. Um, you know, a championship pedigree and experience, which we were really lacking, um, and real quality as well. Um, I think it's been hard for him over the sort of the tough winter months because Wickham haven't been playing particularly well because of the system and the injuries they've had. And I think when you're a, an attacking player, especially if you're sort of out wide, you can really struggle in those sorts of games. Um, but he's him and the likes of Daryl Horgan have really sort of started to come back to the fore again in the last two weeks um, and we really need them to if we're to get points at this level. Um, and I guess the last question is uh, what what is your prediction for 
Uh, is it Tuesday wow. night or Wednesday night? I can't I can't keep up anymore, but whenever the game is. Yeah, it's basically football every day at the moment, isn't it? Uh, it's Tuesday night, um, Adams Park, under the lights, under our new floodlights, which we had to put in because of the getting up to the championship. So if you're watching at home, you will actually be able to see the game, which is a real bonus. Um, so, well, it was tight, wasn't it, at your place? Um, and Reading games tend to be tight anyway, even though you are having a magnificent season, by the way. Um, which a lot of people, me included, didn't predict. Um, but I think it's going to be tight again. Um, after the Derby game, Wickham are due the biggest slice of luck going. And I reckon it's going to happen on Tuesday night. Somehow we'll, we'll score off the referee's arse or something, or something will happen. We're due a bit of luck and Wickham will win it 1-0. Yeah, I don't think any Reading fans predicted the season we're having either. Um, you may be... Uh, due some luck, but I'm hoping that it won't be against Reading. So I'll go with a 2-0 Reading win. Uh, my last prediction didn't turn out too great because uh, Middlesbrough did end up beating us better. But hey, um, Phil, thank you very much. And I hope that Wickham do well this season, just maybe maybe not on Tuesday night. Well, likewise. And yeah, hopefully you stick around in the top six. And uh, if you do get to the playoff final, just make sure it's a better game than last time you were there. Uh, I think, uh, again, I think all Reading fans are hoping for that. Thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, mate.